Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome everybody to the pod's honest truth. Love that band. I, I feel that on Monday when we come out of the weekend, they've had some time to recoup, relax, uh, get back in the energy flow. And boy, I tell you what, they come at that drum solo. Gets me every time. Love that drum solo. Appreciate uh, Ringo Starr, by the way, on the drums today. Hey, a dietary tip of the day um, has nothing to do with the podcast, but here's a dietary tip. Uh, first of all, don't do what I did this past weekend, which is dessert first, then dinner. Uh, more specifically, ice cream, then nachos. All right, you're setting yourself up for an Alka-Seltzer uh, chaser. And look, folks, uh, I'm 55. I like to call it the double nickel. Uh, and I don't want to get into all the digestive issues that go with that. But let's just say the ice cream nachos combo, not a good mix. All right. But hey, I'm here today. Wasn't sure if I was going to make it, but I'm podcast tough. Don't mess with me. All right. On this episode, we're delving into the world of Trump derangement syndrome. Is it real? I have an article up on justthenews.com. You can check it out there. Once again, that's justthenews.com. You can type in Trump derangement syndrome. Don't Google image that. Just kidding. Anyhow, justthenews.com. So what is it exactly? We have some answers on the podcast today. I want to start with some examples of what I'm talking about. Now, if you go on social media, the anti-Trump vitriol uh, is at new heights. You just have to do a, a quick stroll through Twitter and you come up with plenty of examples. I want to give you a few of, uh, I don't want to call my favorite uh, favorites because these are horrible to say, but I'm going to say them because I want you to get a sense of what's out there on Twitter. And I'll be honest with you, it's not just Twitter. You can go to Facebook. You can go to some other places. Uh, just some news articles say some of this stuff as well. But here is what we found on Twitter and once again, this took about 15 minutes, and this is what you find, all right? So it's not hard to find at all. Here are a few. Quote, Trump is worse than Hitler. There you go. There's one. Uh, here's another one. I hope Trump is assassinated. Uh, that's right. Uh, saw that on Twitter. By the way, where's the Twitter police on that one, by the way? Here's another one. Uh, Adolf Trump is a criminal. Hope he is killed. Today would be a great day for Trump to have that massive stroke. Is it possible to hate someone as much as I hate him, being Trump? Here's a few others. Trump is responsible for 112,000 deaths in this country, apparently referring to COVID-19. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to take some Alka-Seltzer after this. Donald Trump is responsible for the riots. All right, there's, there's one. These are all direct quotes, by the way. Here's another one. Trump is responsible for George Floyd's death. That's right. So apparently now they have Donald Trump kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes. Trump is actually responsible for global warming. We've heard this before, but it's on Twitter. Here's one. Donald Trump is responsible for the largest number of people filing for unemployment, the highest unemployment number, and the biggest nationwide financial crash since the Great Depression. 
yeah, okay, folks, uh, let's put this in parentheses. COVID-19, okay, hello. Burks, Fauci, health officials, everybody's saying shut the government down for a while and shut the economy down, but that's not in the tweet. Here's, uh, here's another one. Trump is responsible for all gun violence after declining bipartisanship legislation. All of it, every single bullet shot with malice is his fault. Deal with it. All right, so I can go on and on, but those are a few uh, uh, humdingers, if you will. Now, look, Trump supporters view all of these sentiments as extremely unhinged. I mean, they basically feel that it's like alien possession, and they call all of this Trump derangement syndrome, or TDS. Then you've got the anti-Trump crowd, of course. They don't think TDS is anything at all. They call it a disparaging term by the Trump supporters. Anyhow, truth really does seem to be in the eye of the beholder because let's put it in plain terms, right? I mean, Trump's, Trump's critics see the president as sick in the head and Trump's supporters say he's making his far left critics sick in the head. Now, I want you to hear from a man named Philip. Uh, he's first up on the Pods Honest Truth today. He lives in Southern California. He actually threw up the night Trump won in 2016. Here's a little bit about how he feels towards Trump. I'll tell you, when I found the president got elected, I physically threw up. Uh, I, I did. did you really? I did. I physically had a physical reaction. I was taking a federal law, a federal law class with David Stern. Shout out to David Stern, one of the best professors out there at Regent Law. Um, and I took the day, I, we, it was a small class and he knew um, of my anxiety about what was going on. Um, and I stayed home. I lived in Rockville at that point. I drove, I made that commute from Virginia Beach to Rockville. Oh, wow. My family. Yeah, I did that every week for a whole year. That's a new company here. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 did, I found out that he got elected. I physically think threw up and I, I went to sleep and I moved on the next day. So that's a, that, was a, uh, that, that wasn't a mental health thing. That was a physical health thing. That was a physical health reaction to me um, learning that, um, that he won. And he's probably going to hate me from saying this if you, when you put this on and hope it doesn't target my family and <laughs> bad things happen to me. But you know, when we're in a point where we have to think about those things before we speak, um, mm -hmm. that's not America. Yeah. And real quick, just so I understand the details of that story, you said after he won, when, so when was that, would you say, was that literally like, like, uh, like when I think when, when the media outlet I was watching kind of projected that he would win or where it seemed like, there wasn't going to be like he was going to win. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I, that's wow. what happened. I threw up <laughs> that night. That night. That night. That that uh, November eighth, yeah. twenty sixteen. Whatever that day was. Yeah, my my wife was there and my my son was there and I physically threw up. Why? Why do you uh, not to get too much into the Doctor Phil Oprah show here? But why do you think? Why do you think that happened right then? What What, what was going on? Do you think? Well, look. You know, I. I, I always tell people, my, I'm from Nigerian by ethnicity, for background, it's a young economy. I mean, it's a young democracy, about a 60-year-old democracy that's, gone, that's seen a lot of corruption, a lot of corruption and a lot of misdeeds that has affected people's lives. And I've mm. seen that. I've kind of experienced, not experienced it myself. I came, I was, came here when I was nine. I'm 33 now, so I've lived here most of my life, and I'm a proud American. Um, but I've seen that, and, it's, and to see someone brand his way to the White House, the way the bulldozing of people, the cutting down of moral norms, the, uh, the, the, the splitting the country among racial divide. Uh, it was just, it was just, I just, I knew this was going to be the presidency 
or at least certain people. And and I, I think my my reaction was well, the market is good though. We'll say the market is good. So we thank you. <laughs> Let me ask you, I know I said one last question, but just to clarify at the end there. So, so the way I think the best way to term this would be, obviously, you don't have Trump derangement syndrome because that's a, you know, a pro-Trump term. I get that. Uh, but what you're saying is, yeah, he's affected my mental health, but that doesn't mean, you know, that I'm, you know, this basket case or anything, though you'll say that clearly that night in 2016, it, it was, you know, you physically threw up and then you've, you've been able to just kind of try to process it since then. I guess. Yeah, I, I did. I was I was repulsed physically that the greatest country in the world mm. elected someone that was on tape saying he grabs women by the P word. Yeah, right. That was disgusting. Mm. Among other things. Among, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, Phil, <laughs> uh, after hours podcast, by the way. <laughs> All right, Phil, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Davis. All right, that's Philip here on the Pod's Honest Truth. I want to point out that he tells me that he does not have Trump derangement syndrome. He's just very angry at what this president has done to the country. He does admit he's had to stop going on Twitter, stop the social media stuff, uh, take that down a notch or two, and also stop watching Trump on television. He says it's just too much that he does get in my head at times. And by the way, Philip's story of mental and physical anguish has really become all too common since Trump Trump, excuse me, took office. Uh, there was a guy named Fred Robbins. He emailed me uh, here at Just the News, and this is what he said. This is Fred Robbins from New Jersey. Quote, the pre he's, once again, he emailed me directly, and this is what he told me. The presidency of Donald Trump has affected my mental health. I have cut back on watching and reading news articles because anything about Trump is upsetting. And then I asked him, what about the 2020 election? And he said, quote, I'd crawl across broken glass and vote for a tuna fish sandwich over Trump. I'll tell you what, that's got to be a pretty good tuna fish sandwich. Well, you know, in Fred's case, maybe it's a horrible tuna fish. Sandwich. He doesn't care. He's he's just going over broken glass to get Trump out of office. All right. So how do we explain all of this? Well, look, there is some psychology and science behind it all. And that answer is very interesting and we've got it when we come back. We're going to hear from two doctors who explain all this very well next on the Pod's Honest Truth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pods on a Truth. All right, now look, now you're not going to find Trump derangement syndrome in the DSM. That stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. All right, that's the official. Uh, book that everybody uses in the mental health profession in terms of diagnosing a mental health disorder, right? You're not going to find Trump derangement syndrome, TDS, in the DSM. But that doesn't mean there isn't an underlying validity to it. Now, I spoke to Dr. Rob Whitley. He's published over 100 papers in the field of social psychiatry. He points out that the conditions of burnout and nervous breakdowns, well, look, they're not officially mental disorders either, but they do exist. And in a way, it's the same for TDS. Here's some of that interview. What's the psychological uh, view of what 
many people term Trump derangement syndrome. What has been your sense of what's going on there exactly? Well, the American Psychiatric Association categorizes mental disorders in a large, dense 1,000 page book called DSM-5. Uh, and this has separate chapters on the big mental disorders that everybody's familiar with, depression, depression disorders, uh, psychotic disorders, substance use disorders, eating disorders, personality disorders. If you leaf through this book, you will not see any mention whatsoever of Trump derangement syndrome. So officially, at least according to the American Psychiatric Association, there's no such thing as Trump derangement syndrome, or it's not a real mental illness or by any stretch of any imagination. That said, there are a number of people uh, within psychiatry and within social science who say, well, the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, does not necessarily have the final word on what is a mental disorder, what is a mental illness. So if you think about thing, words that we use in everyday life, like burnout, somebody who's worked hard and has to take some week off work, we say they're burnt out. Someone who uh, has had uh, tr uh, trouble in their career, maybe with their children, etc., we say they have a nervous breakdown. Everybody knows what a nervous breakdown is. Everybody knows what burnout is, but that does not appear in the APA's DSM-5. So some people actually say, um, well, just because it's not in DSM, it doesn't mean it's not a real mental condition. Uh, and we have many uh, cases uh, throughout history of certain psychological phenomena uh, really debilitating people and making their life difficult, but not being officially recognized as a mental disorder. So. Um, it's important to keep an open mind about what is and what isn't a mental disorder, especially when you consider that we're now on the fifth edition of DSM-5. The first edition was published in 1952. Mm. Uh, and since then, every edition gets bigger, 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 bigger and bigger. Uh, and some people say this is a bit like astronomers and the solar system. That every 50 years, we discover a new planet and we add a new planet to the uh, solar system and astronomers become more... Uh, uh, their knowledge becomes greater. So in psychiatry, there's a, we sometimes think we have a similar process where we're discovering things, we're learning things, we're adding things to our uh, diagnostic criteria and to our diagnostic manuals. So it, the, it's something we should always think about and consider. And what are you learning about this? Uh, and I, once again, I keep putting the air quotes out, up there, but the, this, this, what we call the Trump derangement syndrome. And I understand many pro-Trump folks are casting that as a in essence, a derogatory term on folks that are against Trump. Uh, but, but what, from a psychological standpoint, what comes with this Trump derangement syndrome? What, what, what's, uh, how would you categorize it exactly then? The first thing that we normally do when we start trying to categorize mental illness is we do research, or at least we reflect on clinical experience. Uh, people write case studies, people do small scale studies to try and understand people who are experiencing phenomena and trying to categorize the similarities and differences between individuals and does this make a, a kind of commonly occurring syndrome. Uh, to my knowledge, and I've looked at the research databases and I've got networks within psychiatry, that there isn't really any research going on about Trump derangement syndrome. Um, if you talk to people off the record, unofficially, psychologists and psychiatrists will generally say there's no such thing as Trump derangement syndrome. Um, some psychologists and psychiatrists within the, the academy, um, where we know the academy is generally left-leaning, uh, will say that this is a derogatory term invented by Trump supporters to try and uh, put labels on people who have legitimate criticisms and legitimate concerns about the Trump presidency. Um, on the other hand, it's been 
uh, psychiatry is developed by people making unpopular statements and taking uh, opinions which are heterodox to the general mainstream of psychiatry. Uh, so there are people out there who have said that there are syndromes, there are uh, behaviours, there are um, cognitions and affects which cluster together into syndromes which are not in DSM and which are not um, necessarily officially recognised as mental disorders. So in the article I wrote for Psychology Today, I made the example of Beatlemania, which you know many people will remember and some people will have read about who were too young to have lived through the 60s. <laughs> uh, but in Beatlemania, you have um, this extreme reaction of, of when the Beatles arrived in the US or arrived in a new city in the UK or whatever, of, of women and men going there and crying and coming overly emotional and really affecting their ability to kind of function. Um, and this kind of extreme reaction, which is not really considered part of the normal range of human experience. Uh, so, like I said, it is something we have to keep on thinking about. We have to think, you know, are, are things mental, mental conditions? Are they not mental conditions? Uh, the role of the academy is to think critically, to ask difficult questions, and to really um, consider and discuss these kind of things like we're doing today. Yeah, so clearly, using the Beatlemania analogy, there has been a reaction to Donald Trump. We all know that. Uh, and you're saying from a clinical psychological standpoint uh, and that there seems to have been some sort of, if not overreaction, a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for, an acute reaction. And what is that? What does that look like exactly? I mean, in other words, what, what, I mean, I would think that there are people out there, as a matter of fact, I've read many stories about people out there that say, look, I'm in therapy and I, I need you to help me with Donald Trump. He's driving me up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, what I have done, I looked to see if there was any research literature out there. There's not, not any research literature, but I have taken it upon myself to just use Google and to read all of the kind of articles that have been written about Trump derangement syndrome. Um, I do have a study where I'm looking at media coverage of mental illness and media coverage of uh, suicide and media coverage of other mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, and as part of that study, we've also kind of looked somewhat informally at uh, how people are, have talked about Trump, how people are talking about Trump on social media. And um, a number of people have said that if, you, if we were to try and characterize a syndrome and as as we've both said, this is not an official category by any means, but if right. we're at that stage where we would like to create a list and say, well, perhaps this is something we should start thinking about. Uh, people say like abnormal uh, histrionic reactions, kind of crying a bit like that Beatlemania, uh, incessant kind of social media activity, talking about Trump, almost like an obsession. And I sometimes think about when I look at some of these articles of um, the novel 1984 by George Orwell, where we had this these two minute hate sessions for um, Goldstein, this this hate figure in the in the novel 1984, and mm -hmm. this person was like an Aunt Sally, a, a a creature that was created in the popular imagination that that people could um, outpour all their emotions onto this person. Uh, and when I look at kind of some of the activity we see on social media and in the mainstream media, you do sometimes think this has a kind of ritualistic aspect to it. Um, that the social media, the, 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 the almost incessant need some people seem to find to talk about Trump, to, to berate him, to make derogatory comments, to, uh, to, <clears throat> to really over, overwhelms their life in some way. Uh, and that's when you have to start thinking, uh, if you're in psychology or psychiatry, well, is this a kind of normal reaction to a, uh, to a human figure? 
um, one who's been um, elected mm -hmm. and, is, and is the president of the country where there's many checks and balances against kind of dictatorship or absolute power, which we'll see these comments on, on Twitter and in social media about, yeah. about Trump and this and that and all these words used, which are not particularly um, sometimes irrelevant, but also just sometimes not factual. Right. So I guess my final question would be, so even though we know it's not an official diagnosis, obviously, but you're saying that the symptoms of what is being discussed as Trump derangement syndrome, those, those symptoms, they're real. Um, I think we have to be careful with our terminology. I wouldn't call them symptoms, but okay. I would certainly say kind of behaviors, cognitions, affects, that there are a list of behaviors, cognitions, and affects, which one certainly could hypothetically talk about and say, you know, this represents an abnormal behavior. There's been every country has a head of state or head of government, a president, a, a prime minister, a, a monarch. Um, and to react in this manner to one who has been democratically elected, to, who's in a de democratic nation where there's checks and balances on power, um, I, I, I could understand if there was this, a certain kind of reaction to Hitler or Stalin uh, where the person has a power of life and death over whole communities, as, as we sadly saw in the Second World War and, and individuals. Uh, but to see this, it certainly does indicate something that is worthy of discussion. Uh, and like I said, there's a kind of ritualistic, ritualistic aspect to this, which also then makes you question what is the underlying motivation and condition in some of these people. Uh, uh, as you know, um, G.K. Chesterton said, um, when people stop believing in God, they start believing in anything. Um, mm. And you have these kind of secular kind of alternatives, uh, which people kind of buy into. And sometimes that involves this creation, like I said, of an Aunt Sally figure who, uh, like in 1984, who becomes this kind of hate figure and this target for ritualistic kind of emotional out outbursts. Mm. Um, and sometimes you look at how people are reacting to Trump and, and you do start thinking, and you know, what is going on here psychologically? All right, that's uh, Rob Whitley here on the Pod's Honest Truth. We should point out that research on the topic of mental health and stress and Trump, it's actually been fairly conclusive. As a matter of fact, the American Psychological Association conducted a Stress in America survey, and this happened after Trump's election in 2017. They found that 63% of Americans regarded the future of the country as a, as a significant source of stress. So then they did the same Stress in America survey in 2018, a year later, and that number went up to 69%. So it was 63% in 2017, 2018 went up to 69%. And by the way, we should point out, uh, stress about the future of the country, typically at this point with Trump is largely along uh, political ideology line. So, for example, the American Psychological Association, again, in this survey, it showed that t only 26 of Republicans felt stressed over the political climate. You can imagine what it was for Democrats. A whopping 72% of Democrats felt stressed out. And also, psychiatrists have actually seen more Americans coming into therapy sessions complaining about angst over President Trump and they feel a worry and helplessness and overall anxiety. Lots of articles about it actually out there. I spoke to a man by the name of Dr. Robert Lustig about all of this. He's, an, uh, he's the author of an article and it's called This Is Your Brain on Trump. It was published in MedPage today. 
And he says he's very worried about all the people going into therapy. As a matter of fact, he told me this. This is a quote from Dr. Lustig, quote, people are going to be going to psychiatrists for years because of Trump, is what he says. I don't mean to laugh at it, but I mean, it's kind of true. Uh, I should point out uh, his credentials. Lustig, the man I talked to, is Professor Emeritus of the Pediatrics Division of uh, Endocrinology at the University of California at San Francisco. Uh, when I was speaking to him on the phone, very, 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 all caps, clear that he's no fan of Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, he compares Trump to Adolf Hitler. That's right. I pause for effect. That's right. He actually compared him to Adolf Hitler minus the entrenched philosophy. I want you to hear some of that interview where he invokes the Hitler-Trump comparison. Here it is. The hyping up, the rabble rousing, the, you know, the, uh, the, the rallies. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is he doing? He's stoking dopamine. And why is, and what is he, you know, uh, appealing to? He's appealing to our fear. Okay, our fear of xenophobia, our fear of the unknown, okay, our fear of, uh, you know, uh, of blacks, our fear of, you know, of Russian, not Russians, but uh, Chinese, our fear of, you know, virtually anybody but ourselves. So it's both dopamine and cortisol. And what it's designed to do is it's designed to basically put your filter, your prefrontal cortex, into suspended animation. So even though this isn't a technically a category as it relates to Trump derangement syndrome, there right. is a science behind it. And, Absolutely. And Trump is, is Trump is not that he would know anything about the science necessarily. Oh yeah, no, no, no. He's he's just he's just a megalomaniac, and he, no, you know, his his one gift is he is very. Um, uh, shall we say, uh, very uh, uh, street savvy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And other street savvy uh, populists. And basically, this is what all of populism is, is dopamine yeah. and cortisol. That's how every populist, you know, mm -hmm. Erdogan and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Viktor Orban and, you know, all, the, all these, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bolsonaro down in Brazil, Okay. They're all working off dopamine and cortisol because but they're all course, with God. Yeah, I was going to say, but you're, you are, I mean, I don't want to put in your mouth all that you say, but you, it sounds like you're saying you're kind of comparing them to those folks. And you mentioned sure. Hitler earlier. I mean, sure. Same thing. Same thing. All of these demagogues basically use the same toolbox. And the reason is because it works. What, now, now you explain the science behind it, but what's the toolbox specifically? Because if they don't know what they're doing with dopamine and cortisol, what are what do they know that they're doing? Well, what's, the, the, what's the toolbox thing? Right. Well, the toolbox is uh, uh, stoking uh, uh, xenophobia and promising uh, specific rewards uh, that they can't possibly. Uh, uh, follow through on. So how does it relate to, I mean, you you in this profession, you have a science, scientific explanation, you have so much information yep. about it, so much knowledge about it, but what yep. about you as a person? Is he affecting, <laughs> is no. he affecting you? No. He's not affecting, well, he's making me pretty mad. Um, you know. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I'm watching what's going on, and I'm going, you know, this is just horrible. And the, the, the thing that uh, it bothers me the most is I thought that we as Americans had actually, you know, sort of gotten past it, and now I realize we have not. Right. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty upset, uh, you know, for myself and for my family and for everyone else. You know, I really thought we had sort of gotten past it. In fact, I even made a comment yesterday to friends that I originally was proud of San Francisco's response mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, you know, what happened with the George Floyd uh, uh, debacle. Um, but uh, that was on Friday. And then by Saturday, you know, the looting had started. Mm-hmm. But you- I, and and I'd, lo- I'd lost a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, my own confidence in my own city. Yeah, I guess my, I mean, I'll get back to the psychology in a quick second, but I guess my question would be, once you mentioned Hitler, it made me think to myself that I've seen on Twitter other people saying he's worse than Hitler, yeah. whatever it is, or he's yeah. like Hitler. Yeah. But the, yeah. the thing is, is that that plays right yeah. into what the Trump people are saying, is that folks that say that, like yourself yeah. and others, are like, that's crazy, that's not true. Well, that's- well it, so the thing is, Hitler had a very specific ideology, okay? Trump has no ideology. He has zero ideology. Hitler had an ideology. Trump just wants to dominate and govern. Uh, Not govern, sorry, rule. He just wants to rule. He doesn't care. And the reason we know he doesn't care is because he's changed his his opinion on virtually everything that he's ever believed in his entire life. Yeah. Hitler did not. Hitler had an ideology. So Trump doesn't have an ideology. So, yeah, you can say he's not Hitler. That's right, he's not. But he's a demagogue. So, okay, Hitler's a demagogue. Trump is a demagogue. That doesn't make Trump Hitler. I see your equation. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, you know, Stalin was a demagogue. It doesn't make Trump Stalin. So what's your bottom line in terms of the people that are affected by this? What I mean, would you agree that – I mean – it doesn't make a rocket scientist to figure out that people are affected by Trump yes. in the head, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, what's wrong with Trump is he has no prefrontal cortex. And you know that that's true because he doesn't remember what he did from one day to the next. Because that requires a prefrontal cortex. Because the prefrontal cortex helps you predict the future. Hmm. If, you don't have a pre- if you don't have a prefrontal cortex, you can't predict the future. You can't see past it. Let me tell you about another thing the prefrontal cortex does, okay, because it's really important. So there's a, there's, a, there's a psychological game called the dictator game. Okay. Two, so a psychologist has two, two subjects. One's the dictator, one's the subject. He hands the dictator 100 bucks, says, okay, here, dictator, you have to make a deal with your subject over that 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. You have to split it somehow. And both of you have to agree to the split. And if you can't agree to the split, neither of you get anything. Right. Okay. So it's up to the dictator to decide how much money he's going to offer the subject. And then they can negotiate. So maybe it'll end up being a 60-40 split. Or maybe it'll be a 70-30 split. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a 90-10 split. In any case, the subject still gets 10 bucks. That's 10 bucks he wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right. So, you know, that all depends. If you have prefrontal cortical damage, if your 
PFC is dysfunctional, there's only one split that will work, 50-50. Anything else, you will not accept. And you will lose all of it because you will basically only agree to 50-50. You know what we call that? We have a name for that. It's called spite. Okay? It's spiting yourself. Okay? You spite yourself. You spite the other person. And the reason is because you feel slighted. Okay? And it's the, re- the reason is because you don't have a prefrontal cortex. So people with prefrontal cortical damage can't see their way past any other, you know, uh, recompense. You know, it's got to be 50-50. That's Trump. That's, That's right. Trump. That's why he says he's never treated fairly. He uh-huh. has no prefrontal cortex. And guess what? He's making sure none of us do either. Got you. So you just that's so you Trump derangement syndrome. Okay. <laughs> so you see a distinction real quick between your you, you say you're angry, you're mad, but then there's other people that that are not functioning on a whole. I mean, there's a lot another more. level. Right. Nother They're level. functioning at a whole nother level. That's right. They've taken that beyond, and that's what happens when you get that irritable. You know, you you get crazy. I'm upset, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. You know, going to do something stupid because of it. Right, but then of course people on the pro-Trump side would say, "Hey, you're calling them a demigod," which you can definitely definitely defend that statement. I'm not saying you can't, but people would say, "You know, he's not Hitler." So uh, no, he's not. He's a de- but he's a demagogue. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Hitler was a demagogue. Trump's a demagogue. That doesn't mean Trump is Hitler. Okay, it's not. A, there's no specific equivalency there. Okay, but it's the same concept. Okay, gotcha. the point is all demagogues use dopamine and cortisol as the method for, you know, changing their subject's behavior. How how concerned are you in terms of how dangerous he's been to people's mental health? Hey, look what's happened. I mean, it's pretty bad. I'm very worried. People are going to be going to psychiatrists for years. Already okay. are. Because Because of this. Because of Trump. Absolutely. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, that's Dr. Robert Lustig invoking the name of Hitler when discussing Donald Trump. Definitely pretty provocative, for sure. Hey, let me end with some scientific information from Dr. Lustig that I thought was interesting. He alluded to some of it in the interview you just heard. He talked about dopamine and cortisol. He says there's a science behind it, and Donald Trump uses both, dopamine and cortisol, at those rallies, those big rallies that we hear about. Let me explain, or let me have Dr. Lustig explain, but I'll do the paraphrase version because if we put Dr. Lustig on with the audio, trust me, it's extremely interesting, but it goes on and on and on. It becomes like biology class or chemistry, I should say chemistry class. But basically explains that dopamine is the reward or pleasure neurotransmitter, right? And then you've got cortisol, which is the chemical that is released in response to fear. So 
it all goes to a place called the prefrontal cortex. We've heard about that, right? That's the filter uh, of our brain. It compresses, or excuse me, it compromises the thinking part of our brain. So when stress becomes chronic or persistent, then your mental state changes, according to Lustig. And he actually says you lose your filter. You lose your prefrontal cortex. And then he says that the prefrontal cor cortical dysfunction is the hallmark of basically all of the societal behavioral problems that we have experienced in the last 50 years. And he goes on to say how, you know, all of the problems like addiction and depression and anxiety and inattention and hate. So basically what he's saying is when your prefrontal cortex doesn't work, when the filter doesn't work, all of those five, depression, addiction, anxiety, and attention, hate, all of them go hog wild, as he says, and those are the five components that people call Trump derangement syndrome. So there's the science behind it, according to Dr. Lustig. Look, folks, we can disagree all we want about who is more deranged, Trump's over-the-top critics or Trump himself. Truth, indeed, is in the eye of the beholder. But here's another truth. Like him or not, Trump has exposed everything and everyone. He's forced uncomfortable conversations in this country about race, immigration, our dirty politics, deep state, and a whole lot more. It hasn't been pretty, but you know, in a way, maybe it's necessary. Sometimes you have to air the dirty laundry to make progress in the long term with the goal of hopefully forming a more perfect union. And that's the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. America.